be the Lord. Oh, let's just lift our hands and just worship him a little. Oh, a little longer. Thank you, sir. Father, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We worship you and bless you, Father. Oh, what you've done in our lives, what you've done in our hearts, you made us brand new. Oh, you made us citizens, royalty. <laughs> and we thank you, Father. Father, thank you for the call. Thank you for positioning us. Thank you, Lord, for the hour that we now stand in. Thank you, Father, for the completed work that we get to run in, Father, delivering the good news of what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago to those that sit in darkness. We get to be the ones to say, you don't have to sit in darkness one more day. <laughs> oh, God, what a joyous, joyous labor of love you've given unto us. It's a joy, Lord. It's a joy to get to be the ones to tell the news of what you've done. It's such a joy. Father, I just ask that in the midst of all that comes, Lord, I just ask that you freshly baptize us again tonight in the joy of being the ones of bringing the good news. Baptize us again. Lord, just dip our hearts again in the joy and the fire and the vitality of the run. shattering the curse of a people's lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus, we thank you for the anointing, your anointing that you gave unto us, your anointing that is still destroying yokes and removing burdens just at your word. Lord, you've given unto us to be distributors of your anointing power to destroy yokes and remove the burdens of this hour. We thank you, God, for that anointing that is strong. Lord, that is only increasing even this weekend. God, it has been increasing. My, 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 that anointing is increasing. Double time, Father. It's working double time. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you and we thank you. Oh, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. 
In Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Can you say amen tonight? So be it and so be it. Hallelujah. Well, you're dismissed. That's all I've got. We could go to IHOP now and say it was a great service. That was the most anointed minister to offering I've ever been a part of in my, I think, my entire life. There was such a grace on that, wasn't there? She is still here. It's so wonderful. And um, my goodness, what a time. And I, it's just fresh on me that this is the last summit of this year. What a run. What a run. There's been a three here in the United States and then all the ones that have happened over, over all the nations. I've just gotten to be a part of the ones in the States. So every time you name those off in other countries, I was like, I want to be a part of that. You know, uh, you just don't want to miss out. And, and uh, who I couldn't, I'd have to tell you in tongues what God's done in all these summits this year. I don't think there's English words, Pastor John, to say. Um, I ministered in some of those, part of those summits, and I still couldn't tell you what was done. It was just heavenly. It has been heavenly, um, and it still is, and and there's been such a, a presence of the Lord and a grace on these summits where there's so much happening in the room, even right now, that goes way beyond just the words that are coming out of the person's mouth with a microphone. Uh, there's operations of the spirit. There's works that are being done. There's things that are falling off of us, things that are being added to, vision that's clicking into place. I mean, it's just astounding uh, all that God's doing in the room. Hallelujah. It's astounding what God's doing in the nations, in, in the earth. I mean, the nations of the world in those Bible schools. That's a very big deal. Uh, that really grabbed my heart when uh, Pastor Cookie mentioned those Bible, those works in the Bible schools. Is it Nepal uh, specifically? And I know there's other ones. Um, I leaned over to Kara um, that travels with me and uh, works uh, for the ministry as my project manager. She's done, uh, you know, we've done, I've done 17 trips to the nation of Grenada, others as well, but have really worked a lot in Grenada and, and Kara's been a part of maybe five or six of those and the nationwide uh, event that we did in 2016. And I leaned over to her and I said, um, remember this, the state that the churches were in in the nation of Grenada, uh, it, it, it was in a low state, all the churches churches there and and the reason we finally identified it because there's not one bible school to train and equip ministers in that nation and if there was just a training place most of them uh you know are, are running on very little training that they got forever ago and so getting Bible schools, places for ministers to be trained and released in a nation has everything to do with what God is able to establish and structure for the kingdom to shift a nation. So when you sow into the planting and the operating of a Bible school, you are literally like uh, the, the, um, you are like the kingpin of changing and shifting that nation. Praise the Lord. So what a what an awesome thing, you know, to be a part of and 
and all God's doing in the nations. And, uh, and boy, it's just getting to the good part. Praise the Lord. That's what the Lord said, you know, and has come up a few times. This meeting, he spoke to my heart about 2018 being the year of the turning point. And here we stand in 50 some odd days left in a turning point year. A turning point being when the action begins to move toward the most important part. And uh, you think about that and what God's called you to establish and do all the seasons of ministry and life he's walked you through. And now he's saying this is the time when all of that, all the faith, all the standing, all the believing, all the pushing through, all the overcoming is now reached the point where the action begins to move. toward the most important part, to move, to move, to move, to move, to move. So much movement in the earth right now and so much movement in, in who we are and, and uh, who and what God's called us to do. Amen? It's powerful. I've got uh, so much churning in my spirit that uh, God wants to do tonight, and so uh, don't get too comfortable, okay? Uh, don't get... Don't get uh, too comfortable, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, and get our eyes um, on uh, a few scriptures here uh, that are rolling around in me. Um, open up to the book of First John, if you will. Praise the Lord. So much that we could say and. Um, and just comment, just comment on that came out of Pastor Fred Brothers last night. Um, if you just want to listen to that and then stare at a wall for about a year to try and take it all in. And I'm just so thrilled that you just still are living up to, to being the MacGyver of Revelation, <laughs> Pastor Fred and... Uh, you know, uh, I just said, it, you know, it, that really, it wasn't a sermon he brought. It was an earthquake that he set off. He just came in and, and set off some kind of, a, of an earth-shattering bomb in a good way. And, um, but, uh, you know, the beginning of that word, and then it, it even came out earlier today, um, that, that we, uh, a shift has taken place. A shift has taken place, and it has it has shifted us. It has shifted things, and I I feel like there's just a, a couple of things the Lord's given me to speak to that to kind of wrap that up and and send us out. But one of the things that the shift has reiterated again is the remembrance of the fact that we are of those that overcome. We are not of those that are overcome. So everything that you're facing right now, you can stand in the confidence that you are not of the DNA of the overcome. You are of the DNA. You are of the royalty. You are of the family, the spiritual heritage that overcomes. That is the outcome of every single thing that is staring you in the face right now. You are those that overcome. Amen? 
So uh, let's look at this in 1 John, and if you would uh, look at chapter 2. And I want us to just uh, run our, our eyes over the word, what the word has to say about this. In 1 John 2, in verse th 13, he says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. Boy, it's good to have fathers and mothers in the faith among us, isn't it? So thankful for our fathers and mothers in the faith. Such a joy and an honor to run together. Amen. Um, I I tell, I say this to Dr. Pat every time I'm around her. You know, I'm just, I'm just so thrilled to be in the room with her. Really. I mean, I'm just so thrilled that I'm finally, you know, maybe just coming into a, a place of maturity enough to really dig into the depths of what's coming out of her that I can, I can try and keep up with the revelation that's coming out of her now. You know, there was a day where I would sit in services like of hers and others, and I think, I'm just going to receive that by faith because I'm not even sure I get all that, but I, I'm just going to say I do by faith. And, uh, and so I'm so grateful to be able to stand and run my race alongside a mother and a father in a faith. It's so wonderful that God's kingdom way of operation is, is synergy, everybody running together, not succession. Not, well, I'll just sit here quietly, uh, you know, and, until they breathe their last breath, and then maybe I'll get around to feeling like I'm worthy to do something for God. No, I'm so thankful that I can take my place and keep my eyes on some mothers and fathers in the faith so that I don't get off course. But, uh, but we can have every part simultaneously running, which is Joel's prophecy. That in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, all generations simultaneously. Come on. And what does it say? It says that your, your fathers will dream dreams, your sons and daughters will see visions. What is it? A picture of every generation simultaneously hearing from the Lord what they're to see, what they're to say, and giving their part. And when we have Joel's prophecy operating in the earth, which is every generation operating simultaneously, that's when we saw the greatest moves of God in the earth, where literally 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 were, were added to the kingdom in a day. Not old ministry, young ministry. Old church, new church, old way, new way, old school, new school. No, all of it, all the time, every single part. What does that sound like to you? A family. A family. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's, let's keep going. All that from I write unto you fathers. Because you've known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one, I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Boy, look at that picture of God's family in there. Isn't it beautiful? Look over just a few more chapters at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5 and verse 4, he says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes. 
How many can say, I, I've been born of God? Did being born of God change everything? Does being born of God override everything else you were born of? That's a say lob right there. Let me just sit and think about that. If you're born of God, then, then the automatic of being born of God is that you always overcome. I remember growing up, you know, in my house, I've got a, a New York Italian dad, you know, and, uh, you know, that Italian culture is a strong culture, right? And it's a lot like the Hispanic culture. It's a strong, I love it. It's family, it's loyalty, it's rich with tradition and heritage. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of. And uh, so I'm the oldest and the only girl. I have three younger brothers. And uh, so, you know, a big part of the, of the Italian heritage and culture is, is based a lot around food. Food has really been a theme this weekend. Uh, make some might call it an issue, but let's just call it a theme. The food I've eaten, Tucson, you just, I mean, you just got me with your food, your good food. And uh, so now I'm going to be, you know, eating lettuce for a month, but it's fine. And so in our family, you know, culture is a big deal. And on top of being, you know, having an Italian family, Italian father, and, and so that being a big deal, to just add to that, uh, my father um, is a trained uh, culinary chef and owned restaurants growing up. Well, I mean, it's a miracle we don't all weigh 500 pounds, you know. And, uh, and so that was a really big deal. So, you know, you, the recipes of your family in the, in the Italian culture is a big deal. Your sauce recipe, how do you make your sauce? What goes in the sauce? You know, and everybody's way is the right way. I mean, my dad has his own recipe for Italian sausage that's so secret that he secretly mixes the spices for his sausage at night when no one is awake and then takes his baggie to his butcher who he looks in the eye and then commissions him with how to use the spice to make his sausage. And literally restaurant chains, national restaurant chains have actually contacted him and asked to buy his recipe for a lot of money and he won't sell it because it's a family secret. I am his daughter, and I don't know yet. I have not attained the level of being able to handle the knowledge, do you understand, of the Tringale sausage recipe. So I'll never forget the day, you know, when, when uh, we were all still pretty little. My brothers were real little, and, and Dad had, you know, cooked sauce. You smell it in the house all day. Oh, the, you know, it's all cooking. And so we're going to have this big Italian dinner that night. And so Dad's been in the kitchen all day, you know. And, uh, and so we all come in, and we sit down. And, and uh, my middle brother, Gabe, he was about five years old, you know. And so he's sitting at the big table. And so Dad dishes out the spaghetti, you know, the pasta, and he's got his Italian bread and and he's putting the sauce and the meatballs and so my brother Gabe took his first bite and and I'll never forget the reverberating words when he said daddy I don't like sauce <laughs> you would have thought he said I don't believe in the virgin birth you know <laughs> it was like cataclysmic 
And we all just, we all just knew like, no, take it back. <laughs> Pretend that you do. And I'll just never forget my father looking over his transition lenses, you know. I mean, he looks like the godfather. He's got the gold chain and the whole... Yeah, he's got the accent. He's still got the New York accent. And so I'll just never forget my father looking over his glasses, and we all just froze. And it would just felt like, you know, earth-shattering silence forever. And, uh, and so my dad just looked at him, and he goes, try it again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to give you one more chance, kid, you know. Why? Because you're a Tringale, Tringali, you know. And so when you are a Tringali, when you are Italian, oh, no, 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 you like sauce. Even if you don't like sauce, you like sauce. Why? Because it's part of who we are. I remember, you know, our parents and, and uh, you know, you remember this raising kids or raising kids now. You know, your kids come home and say, hey, you know, mom, dad, I want to go to this movie. I want to go to this party. And you go, no, 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 you're not going to that. Why? So and Sally's going to that. So uh, because that's not who we are. So those that are born of God are innately those that overcome. There's no question. There's no wait and see about it. There's no, well, let me see if I can. It's not about you can. You are of the DNA of God that overcomes. And the explosion of the DNA of God showing up in your life reverberates out of the fact that you were born into this family by a reckless love that tracked you down and grabbed you up when you were still yet a sinner and would not let you go until you gave in to the reckless love of God. I want to say this to you tonight, and it maybe might sound too simple for you, but it is so profound. And that is that a loved person is a bold person. Because knowing that you are completely, totally, crazily loved by your Father God will set off a boldness in you that ignites the DNA of the overcomer. Amen. Let me read you a, a couple of more verses here. If you go back one chapter to chapter four, look at chapter four in verse four. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The DNA of the overcomer overcomes. It is not overcome. It cannot be overcome. Look at um, verse 9 in chapter 4. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Say, toward me. Toward me because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live 
through him. Look over in verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect or mature, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. If you see me, you have seen my father. If you want to get to know Robert Tringale, you just spend some time with Jen. Why? Because I'm of him. He raised me. I ate his sausage. I ate his sauce. (laughs) I still don't have the recipe, but we're working on that. Why? Because I'm of him. I love uh, Brother T.L. Osborne, you know, talk about a bold man. The American church would have trouble swallowing what he stood on platforms in nations all over the world and declared and saw the dead raised and miracles and the fire of revival set through a nation. He would stand and preach about his beloved Jesus. And then he would stand on that stage and say, if you can see me right now, you are seeing Jesus and everything he is, he is through me and everything he's done. He is here to do through you to you because I am here as his person. Person in the earth. Half the churches in the Western uh, culture would, would call him a heretic and boo him off the stage. Because as he is, so are we. Hallelujah. As he is, so are we. There is a particular Uh, operation in this shift that I sense the Lord doing in us as leaders, because as leaders, we always have to go first. Amen. It's, it's just part of, of who we are Uh, as a leader. We go first. Why? So that others can follow and, uh, and leaders go first so that we can say where we're going. So others can hear the direction in our words and go that way too. Amen. And, um, and so in this shift that we, that we stepped over into, uh, through that powerful word that pastor Fred brought, you know, I, I sense this operation that God's doing in this shift. And I would just say it to you this way, that in this shifting, there is an operation of sifting and, um, and the, the best way I, I can describe it, the sifting is, a, it means to examine something thoroughly so as to isolate that which is most important or valuable. What is a sifting? To examine something thoroughly so as to isolate that which is most important or valuable. Valuable. Uh, to to go through a sifting is to remove, filter out, sort out, or get rid of anything that is not most valuable. Let me say it to you this way. There is a thinking process that we are all of us 
choosing to live out of as believers, but I want to talk about as leaders. What does the Bible tell us? As a man, as a woman, thinketh in his heart. What does it say? So is he. So there is a level of thinking process that we are leading out of, making decisions by, that I believe is part of this sifting process that God is working in this shift he's brought us into. The, I'm going to just give you three levels. This is what the Lord's been talking to me about today. This first level, this would be the base baseline beginning thinking process or thinking level that we as leaders could be functioning in as we're making decisions and leading by. And this process would sound something like this. What can I do? What can't I do? What can I do? What can I do? What, what am I able in the natural to do right now? What am I not? able in the natural to do right now. You know, if we could just get people as individuals making decisions out of this baseline process, we would be doing really good. If we could get them to even consider like morally, what can I do? What can't I do? Uh, boy, our nation would be in a lot better shape, right? What is right for me to do? What is wrong for me to do? If we could just get people thinking there, uh, our, our cultures would be in better shape. But as leaders, this is a baseline level that we, we could live out of. What can I do? What, what can I do? And there is a level of consideration that, that comes into play on that level. But that's such a baseline level to live out of. Um. You know, even as believers, what can I do? What can I do? I mean, not sinning is not God's will for your life. Not sinning is just the doorway into God's. If, you, if a believer is just living out of what can I do? What can I do? They haven't even accessed the good part yet. Well, as leaders, if we're leading and making decisions out of merely what can I do, what can I do, we haven't even accessed the good part yet. Hang in there with me. Just elbow your neighbor and say, stay with her. She's going somewhere. All right. The next, the next level that we could lead out of goes at least above what can I do and what can I do. And this level sounds something like this to me. What should I do? What shouldn't I do? Uh, this It's a good level. It takes into consideration maybe what you feel obligated to do. What should I do? What is... What is right for me to do? What is, what is the obligation that I feel? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? Even as citizens, as believers, if we could get people to live out of this level, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be seeing a change. I mean, if we could just get people, you know, to consider like, you know, um, 
I heard, you know, my neighbor down the street, he lost his job, and I know that family is probably hurting. What I should probably do is uh, bring them dinner tonight. Uh, that's what I, 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 I should do. I don't have to, but I should do. If we could just get people living out of that level, boy, we'd be doing pretty good, wouldn't we? But, you know, as... As leaders, if we are leading and making decisions out of what the obligation of life in ministry, well, that's one place to at least start, but we, we really can't stay there and we really can't make decisions out of there. So there's some sifting going on. I feel like this higher level that God in this shift is calling us to live out of as leaders goes beyond what can I do, what can't I do. It goes beyond what should I do and what shouldn't I do. But this is a higher level of thinking that places a demand on the DNA of overcoming that totally goes past the can and can't and blazes past the should or shouldn't and lives in this highest level of thinking that only considers this, what am I made to do? What am I not made to do? And the only way to lead out of this highest level of thinking, what am I called? What am I made to do? Not what is possible. Not what I am obligated. But what am I made? What am I destined? What am I called to do? That is the only consideration. And what am I not made to do? This demands then that we ask the question continually, what is most valuable what is most valuable not what should I do to look like everyone else but what am I made to do what is the spirit of God igniting on the inside of me that says this is the unique purpose I've placed on you in the unique way I've called you to lead this is the unique way I want you to go about it this is the unique way I want you to progress forward this is what I've made you to do and all this stuff over here I want you to sift out because it's not what I've made you to be or what I've made you to do. And I need you to ask and consider what is of most value for me. And you would think that we would always be choosing what is most valuable. But that's not always the case. Because usually what gets chosen is what is screaming for our attention the loudest. But you and I both know that usually what is screaming for our attention the loudest is not what's most valuable. But God is wooing us by his spirit. As the word says, as deep calls to deep, there is a beckoning out to a deeper place for God to show us in the deep what is most valuable? What am I made to do? Because that will equip you to blow past the limitations of can and can't. 
It will give you the grace to swing right on by the should and shouldn't, the obligation. And it will elevate you to that place of seeing and knowing that God calls us to lead out of. That gives you the vista out of what God created you to be as the leaders that you are. What is your church made to be? What is your ministry made to do? The uniqueness of what the maker made you to be, to do, to communicate. That is what heaven needs in the earth right now. Hallelujah. Is this making sense tonight? There's a, a really amazing story I came across recently that I feel like paints such a picture of this pursue, pursuit of what is most valuable, this sifting in this shifting that God is doing, I believe, in us right now as leaders. And uh, it actually um, took place in uh, the great state of Arizona, hallelujah, uh, in Sun City. And uh, the story goes that there was this older gentleman uh, that was retired, and uh, he had decided to sell his home and move into an assisted uh, living uh, retirement village. And he had lived alone for quite some years. He'd lived in this house for many, many years, and he'd acquired quite a few possessions. I think he was a little sentimental, maybe like Pastor Cookie. And, uh, and so he had this, uh, this neighbor that came over to his house one Saturday morning, and they had been friends because they'd been neighbors for a long time. And he, he said, I, I know you're moving, and I'd like to just give you my time today, and how about I help you just sort through some things and... And uh, he said, oh, that'd be great uh, if you could start sorting through that garage. That would be wonderful. And so this gentleman was out there kind of sorting through things for this gentleman. And he had been a collector through the years. He had an old car out there, you know, and a bunch of boxes and stuff. And then against one of the walls of the garage, uh, apparently he had a, just a lot of, like, old uh, dusty picture frames and pictures and artwork and stuff just covered in dust out there for years. And so this uh, neighbor is out there sorting through this stuff, and there were all these um, rolled-up posters and things. And so uh, he pulled this first one out, and he unfurled it. And when he unfurled it, his jaw just dropped because it was in mint condition, and it was this poster of uh, the L.A. Lakers NBA player Kobe Bryant, and it was signed by Kobe Bryant. And so this guy being a sports fan was just freaking out because he realized this thing's probably worth a lot of money. And so he went into the house and he said, man, where did you, where did you get this? And he, the you know, older gentleman said, oh, I, I forgot I had that. You know, my son worked for uh, the NBA for a while and he gave me that and I just forgot all about it. So this guy's freaking out. He said, do you know how much this is worth? He said, I don't have any idea. He said, well, let's, let's call this collector shop, you know, down the street and see if they'll come out and tell us. So they called this collector shop, and this guy said, yeah, I'll, I'll swing by there and take a look at it. He said, but don't touch it. Leave it right where you found it. So this, this gentleman comes out. 
and uh, he goes out to the garage to appraise this thing. And so he's, the, the neighbor says, well, here it is. This is right where I found it, and it's right there. And so uh, the gentleman that was the appraiser is just standing there in a stare, only he's not looking at the, the poster there on the table. He's looking beyond that, deeper into the garage, where all these dusty picture frames and pictures and stuff are leaning up against the wall. And he's just got his eyes fastened on this uh, first one there that's sitting there, this piece of art. And so uh, he says to the, the older man, he said, uh, sir, uh, where, where did you get that? And he points to it. And so the gentleman looks and he said, oh, he said, you know, I had a friend that um, loved art and she gave me that years ago, but I just thought it was so ugly and I didn't want it in my house. So I just stuck it out in this garage and it's been out here for years. And he said, oh, he said, well, sir, that painting was painted by an artist named Jackson Pollock. And he said, um, I don't know for sure, but he said, as an appraiser, I am guessing that it's worth about $10 million. And so about this time, the neighbor kind of piped up, you know, and he said, uh, hey, I get part of that because I'm the one that found all this stuff out here, you know. And so the story goes that this appraiser turned to him and he said, no, actually, no, you don't. He said, because uh, you, you didn't see deep enough or look far enough to notice that piece of art. You got caught up in the signed Kobe Bryant poster that might be worth $500. And there's a, there's a nuance that this story paints for us. But boy, it's so easy to get caught up with what's loud, screaming for our attention, maybe even flashy, looks good, sounds bright, maybe has some bells and whistles, will grab some attention on the fly. But you and I both know that typically what's more valuable than that is in the deep. And I feel this sense from the Lord that in this shift that we have made, that there is an operation of sifting that God is saying, now that you've made this shift, I need you to come into a place with me and let's reevaluate what is most valuable in your life, in your ministry, and what you're called to lead. Because in this place that God has called us to in the earth right now, um, I mean, they've been saying we're living in the last days since I was a kid, you know. But I still believe we're living in the last days. I mean, we are more in the last days now than we were yesterday. And even the signs of our times point to the fact that we're living in the last days. And people get all caught up in debates over how this thing wraps up. I'll tell you the truth, I don't really care. There's so much work to be done between now and then. However it wraps up is how it wraps up. I'll find out when I get there. I'm not going to waste any breath having a doctrinal issue with you over how it wraps up. It's not, frankly, it's not my department. 
He has not called me to the how it wraps up committee. <laughs> He's called me to the preach the gospel, remove burdens, destroy yokes committee. And I'm real busy with that, aren't you? So we know we're in these last days of wrapping things up, but we're more in the last days now than we ever have been. I believe we're living in the days of the great crescendo of what God's doing in the earth, where the action begins to move toward the most important part, and we are of the generation, glory to God, that gets to be a part of it. And I don't want to spend my time with things that aren't of most value. I want to be spending my time out there in the deep with the Lord where he blows me past, you know, what's got maybe a shiny price tag on it. And he says, now hidden out here for you, Jen, for such a time as this is something that's worth so much. Other people haven't even bothered to look deep enough to find it. That's pretty good. Say law. So if that's what God has prepared for us in this time, then let us give ourselves wholly to the time that it's going to take to let him take us through a sifting in this place of shifting. This doesn't have to be a bad thing. There's a difference between being sifted and coming before the Lord and saying, Holy Spirit, let's you and I sift through some things. I believe that's what heaven's inviting us into as leaders. Pastor Fred is, uh, we've been talking, you know, him and Pastor Cookie and I, uh, you know, over the course of this uh, week and, um, of course, you know, it, the Lord had stirred that word that I had released earlier this year about this year being a turning point. And so a couple of times while we've been here, he's, he's come over to me and he said, Now, Jen, soon as the Lord talks to you about 2019, I want to know about it. I go, Okay, Pastor Fred, I'm thinking, no pressure. And so I came in this morning and we're talking, you know, we're talking about all the food we ate last night. We wish we didn't. And on and on. So we're getting ready to come in the meeting and Pastor Fred whips around and he goes, now Jen, as soon as the Lord talks to you about 2019, I want to know about it. I'm like, stop bringing it up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And, um, and I appreciate the confidence, you know, and I can't, I can't really say that there has been an exactness to that, but I will say standing at this place as 2018 is wrapping up, um, the sense that I do have about that, that new year that, that awaits before us, is there something about 2019, that year, that's like an arrow? That whatever you're pointed at is the bullseye you're going to hit, whether you like it or not. And I feel like that's why, as a leaders, this is a leaders' meeting. This isn't a body of Christ meeting. There's a higher level that leaders are called to, and the Lord makes us aware of things ahead of time. And so I believe that's why the Lord is saying, come into a place with me and let's you and I sift through things together. 
and let me help you determine what is of most value because whatever you are pointed at as you go into this next year is absolutely where you are headed. I believe there'll be more for us to know about what God holds in store for us for this next year. But this I know, there's something about 2019 that it's like an arrow. It's interesting how the Lord shows us things, isn't it? Hallelujah. Ah, that work of positioning is soprashiste. Ha. Dere prafi, dere prafi, dere prafiso ipatiso, ipatiso, hose patanshta, ukinamasita, ha ha ha. Oh, now there begins a brand new opening, all of things to be accomplished, pshuste rimapi, by my will. Oh, you will come into a place and take your seat, o stebranjiste, all things to be done. Things to be undone <laughs> by those of my DNA born to overcome. Histabrakita. And so, yes, Father, we, we do. Uh, there's some that the, the Lord instructed me um, to minister to right there in the glasses. I know you, yeah. Uh, and could I have an usher just kind of help me? Just step out here in the aisle and sobrashike and just lift your hands for this new day. And Siki uh, Ambashita. And this lady here in the back with the red glasses, yes, you. How'd you know? She was like, mm hmm, I'm next. <laughs> that is something. He's so, just lift your hands up to the Lord. Can you hold that? Soka. Oh, my, 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 zokista, esombranjikista, enzovedista, enzo, and so ushers just stay with me. Pastor, apakiste, can I lay hands on you? Oh, wisdom for a, for a strategy that unlocks for you all that opens things up and financial pressure removed. Ah. With the beautiful blonde hair. Yes, can I lay hands on you? Yeah, you. Oh, so sweet. Masokoshta. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Impartation for what now begins. Ah. And, uh, and you guys, uh, yep, yep, specifically 
<laughs> oh, and the, the overwhelming love of God that you know of when you come in contact ones with ones that are bound with oppression and especially addiction. The love of God, when you just get around them, will undo the stronghold of addiction that they have been under. The love of God on you will undo. Oh, especially that thing he likes to use of drug abuse in that region where he has you. You watch it. Break. Ah. Now you get in there skillfully. That's what he's doing with you. See, get you deep in operations of darkness. Get you in deep in the spirit, by the spirit. And then you release light and you set off things. My, my, my. You'll see piste. Let's just lift our hands to heaven. Maki ombasipe. Iraqi imbasto. Can I lay hands on you too? Isunda rambakite. Ah, izevedista. Ekiamba supata. Brikritasite itu. I ose eyes, eyes, new eyesight for new things now to do. New eyesight for the two of you. Oh, go, Yasiomba. Oh, manbroso repiste, ya. Sumdre kiamba. Oh, si and abrakista. Erzevista. And you with the blonde hair right there. Yep, yep, you. Guiomba. Guiomba riste. Ha. Yeah. Oh, it's a new day. Hands up. Go. Shoo. Ah. E. Oh. Oh. Sumbra kiste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Um, this couple back here that's in it, is it Kona? May I lay hands on you too? Shoo. Oh, you talk about laborers skilled. You talk about mother and a father. My, oh, kiria ambre chikista. Izumranji, what the Lord has for this these glory days. The increase of the glory in manifestation in your ministry. Uh, like you've known in waves but now a new wave initiates of his glory for these glory days. And it releases wisdom to articulate for things you're destined to say and even write. My, my, my. Prikritepando yishungiriambakashta. Deramba ki ochte. Usimranjde. This couple that Pastor Cookie called up for prayer, is it the Cooks? The Cooks? 
And uh, Dr. Pat, did you have something for them? Lay your hands on them. Would that be okay? Would you all come? The Lord said there's something to be done, and I, I knew I didn't, I didn't necessarily have that. You know, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, these things that have tried to um, come against you are just distractions to keep you from following forth in this phase that you're in, to keep you from following forth on into the next phase that I have for you, which in many ways will be much more simple and much easier because of the ground that you have plowed and because of the prayer that has gone forth and because of the work that you've been willing to do, uh, just expect it. Expect it. And know that these things are not serious. They're just distractions. And you, in your authority, take authority over them and do not let them stay, huh? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor John, I, I, I see an operation that the Lord's doing all around you on your behalf. And, uh, there's been so many scrambling around you, uh, some that are in desperation that have come to you needing, needing so much, and you've been so uh, compassionate to restore and to give out, and some that are just lost, and they're drawn to you because of the strength and the willingness, and, and so they scramble around, and you've been so uh, generous to give out. But the Lord says, now I do this thing for you. I assemble the team that is needful unto you for the assignment that resides within you. And I order this thing and I mandate this thing and I speak alignment around this thing in Jesus' name. So be it. Ha. Thank you, Father, for alignment. Father, we take that as the FCF organization. We call right alignment around us for the right ones to come and the wrong ones to go on to their place in Jesus.
Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for resources and help and right on time. The assembling of teams around these to operate apostolically in the earth has always been the mandate of this thing. Teams. Shukata. Shukata. Organizational anointing to speak unto these. Be released. Be released. Be released. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's that a, a marching orders, marching orders are going out, ha, huh? and so we thank you, Father, that they'll hear the sound deep in their hearts cry, they'll hear the sound, and they'll reach out, and they'll reach out. And Father, I thank you that these leaders here tonight and even the ones that will hear this later, when they hear this said by the sound of my voice, they'll know that it'll come unto those leaders and then they'll begin to hear from ones that say, I don't know what it is, but I, I must come. I, I'm assigned unto that work that you lead and I must, I must take my place. I don't understand, but I must. And how those um, kings and priests align now to operate and for ministry and in, in the economy. And kings and priests, uh, ministries and businesses, the cohesiveness for the kingdom coming together now. Supplies, ah, zukarambe, resources. Father, we thank you for the purity of hearts to flood relationships between king and priest. God, that days be gone by when business leaders felt taken advantage of. Huh. But God, your original purpose for that supernatural divine collaboration to come into its finest and fullness where there is a great exchange between king and priest. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. Let this thing be done among us. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
I'm, I'm so thankful for um, this house where this summit has taken place. Um, when we came in on the first day, when I, I left to go to lunch, I, I said to Kara, I said, um, there's such a residue of the anointing in that room. You can tell there is a history of moves of the Spirit in this house because the residue of it don't you all sense that the there's a residue of all this transpired here met us when we came in for this summit and because of that there's been such an ease and a grace for what god wanted to do this was so the just such the right place for this particular gathering And so I don't know how many of you are here tonight that are a part of this house. But those of you that are in the room and pastor, I thank you. Uh, it's made a difference. And you've, you've blessed us. And because of that, I feel like there's a blessing to release. Um, and Pastor Fred, I, I just had it in my heart. I felt like you, it was right for you to do that. I've already spent some time with, with Pastor because over two years ago in one of the leaderships, I saw him come into the, to the meeting with the pastor that he served, and he walked behind him with such honor. And I knew your pastor somewhat, but my, my, my sight went to you. And I just, I watched you, I observed you. And after the service, the Lord said, go talk to you. And I, we sat down and I talked. And I, and I told you that the mantle that was upon your pastor was upon you. And, and we've, we've, we've talked recently just a little bit about this. And there's been a, a period that he, he, he tried to push that off. He tried, it was, it was for somebody else. There was something else in him. But it is you. It is on you. And now, because of that, and now you've accepted it. So those days that you pushed it away, it's, it's no longer for now you've come into the place. And now that the fresh mantle is upon you. And I told you that the glory of the former isn't anything that's going to be compared to what's now. The latter is now here. So the residue, what, what's gone on was just a picture of what's to come. And so it's upon this house. There's an excellency upon the workers, how you've trained, the quality of people. It's like they don't even have to be told to do. They're, they're already lined up. They're, they're, in, they're in position. So a structure has been laid here for, for the great things of God. And so a reward is here. And because you've, you've accepted the call, and you've, it's nothing that you've pushed yourself into. He's called you. You're, now you've just responded. So it's upon you. So I speak to you and I speak to the house. So I know that there's been trouble. I know that there's been issues in the past. But I'm saying it, it comes to an end. It's ended. It is ended. And now the hand of God and the blessing of God comes back here. And upon you and upon your leadership and upon your son. Now, now I've, I've, I've watched your son this week. I didn't even know he, he was your son until after I got to know him. I was watching him, how he, he walks around. 
what I saw on you is on him. And so God is doing something there because it's, it's a season for this house to come again, to be made alive and active and mighty. And it's not to compete against any other. You're just going to honor the Lord and what he's called and be given to the assignment that he's put upon this house. So be ready because it is here. He is here and he's bringing it back. It's back on you, all right? And a fresh, ga- a fresh gathering, there'll be some that have left that will return, but there'll, there'll be many that will come. There'll be many, and many will be sent. This is ascending place. Amen? It's apostolic. There's those that have been here that have been built and established, and, and now they'll, they'll hear the command of the Lord for them to go to other places. So it'll be multiplied. So, Lord, I pray for this pastor. I surround him with faith and know that he never stands alone. Lord, we're together in this. He's part of the family, Lord, that you've placed him in. And there's covenant. There's great covenant. So we surround him with faith and love. And everything, Lord, that you've planned and purposed, everything that you've designed and orchestrated is here. And So now we just rest in it. We rest in the the blessing of the Lord upon this place, upon this church, upon this leader, upon the staff, upon his family, upon every member that has been so faithful. You've been so faithful. You could have gone. Many times you thought you should have gone, but you stayed. Because you've stayed, there's blessing. There's blessing. Healing in your your lives. Healing in your families. The, The teenagers that have run away, they'll run back. They'll run back. Those that have been sons in the house and they've gone away, now they, I, I must return. They're coming back. They're coming back. And they'll come back hungry to receive and, and to walk in the things of the Lord. Amen? It's awesome. So it's, it's, it's on you. It's here. And the Lord is pleased. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, I don't know how he just keeps topping it off every night. Thank you, Jen, for obeying the Lord. That was so awesome.